the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Like, what say ye on that? If, if, as we're reading through this chapter, it sounds like all of those things were very much prior to to Mount Moriah, yet um, Joseph Smith is saying that that this happens um, at at that sacrifice of Isaac. Um, So when did he get his calling and election made sure? Is it possible to to receive it in degrees, or is it uh, kind of a two-part ordinance that uh, we see a lot of in the church, everything's in, in two parts. Uh, just kind of what are your thoughts as you read through? Although, I meant to tell you that earlier, you know, um, anyway, uh, we had a little discussion on it in, in our prior group, but, um, we, we kind of talked about uh, receiving the calling and election in degrees. If any of us has read Triumph of Zion, uh, the fact that, that calling and election is, is much higher or uh, much sooner on, on the, the ascent than like second comforter, etc. But uh, at the same time, uh, it's interesting to note that um, uh, when Jesus Christ attends to him or uh, uh, even manifests the Father unto him from time to time, uh, that this is uh, what happened to Abraham in his apocalypse. Uh, he was taken up to, to Heavenly Father's presence there. Um, any other uh, insights or, or things that you want to talk about with the, the passing of Sarah? Um, it kind of gives a, a little recap of, of her life and her contributions and, and her mission in life. Um, a little summary and, and things about her burial. Uh, but what insights did you gain as you were reading this section? Uh, I was reading the book of Asher in regarding to the death of Sarah. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm sure it's, uh, they say, Joseph Smith says we've got to have the spirit of discernment and some's true and some's not, because in the book of Asher, Satan appeared unto Sarah as an old man and said that uh, Abraham had taken Isaac up to Mount Moriah and killed him. And Sarah was in great, great weeping. And then it goes on several more verses, and the devil reappears to Sarah and says, I told you a lie, your son is alive. After Sarah went through a great level of weeping, and then she was so overjoyed, she was overcome and died. And so I've heard in different sources, this uh, sacrifice of Isaac was the cause of the death of Sarah. I've read that two or three places. But I think as much research and all the footnotes no, that's not true. And so we really don't know the cause of Sarah's death other than all the... There are eight participants in the meeting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry, keep going. (laughs) Um, So I don't know if anyone else has come across that because uh, he referred, uh, uh, Douglas Clark refers to Book of Jubilees, but not Jasher. And so, mm-hmm. and I said, um, I, with all his research, what Jasher said ain't so. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, very interesting because we, we have lots of those apocryphal sources and things, and we gain different little insights here and there, but uh, as as all things are, are kind of transmitted through different hands, there, there might be some different. Uh, interpolations of men or, or changes or things like that. It, very interesting insights though, that, um, you know, as Adam and Eve are, are tempted, etc. why wouldn't uh, Abraham and Sarah be kind of tempted in, in some of those same uh, ways uh, with uh, Satan appearing unto Sarah as an old man kind of a thing? That makes a lot of sense. I've never heard that before. I'm, I'm going to go have to read that. <clears throat> Any other things on, on Sarah's passing, uh, etc., cetera, that um, uh, were insightful and, and that you learned from uh, there? Another comment, if I may. Uh, 
uh, in the book, the passing, how much she was missed because she did so much charity. I mean, one on one on so many people. And so the book, uh, it was said, who else in the Bible as a woman was uh, given uh, the accolades she had, they had. It was amazing, her reputation because of her life in conjunction with her husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I like the fact that, um, a, that her eulogy is one of the Psalms. That's, that's new to me. Um, I thought David wrote all of the Psalms. So um, that was, that was new information. I was, I was trying to find where that is in here because I listened to it. I yeah. didn't read it. So I don't know where anything <laughs> is on the page. Yeah, it's on 226 and part of 227. Okay. So the part that you're referencing is at the top of 227 there. Uh, the eulogy is in fact preserved in chapter 31 of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. No, Psalms. Oh, Psalms. Proverbs. Oh, Proverbs. Proverbs. Oh, then yeah. that is it's yeah. Proverbs then. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because Psalms was written by see, this is what happens when I listen and I don't read. Is uh -huh. wires get crossed. Never mind. And you never know. When I was reading the, the audio book of it, I could have said Psalms. Sometimes I get going so fast and change words in there. And that's you know, you probably said Proverbs, but it just registered as a, you know, who? Mm -hmm. Like I said, <laughs> I got garden on my mind right now. So. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really love the idea of eulogies throughout this. Um, here we have this eulogy that, that Abraham gives for Sarah. And then later in the chapter, as uh, God the Father is giving the eulogy for Abraham uh, to Isaac. I, I found that very insightful. Um, I, I should have looked it up between classes because I, I butchered the paraphrase when I was doing it before. Uh, at one of the, the Roots texts uh, previously, Elder Stevenson uh, said a quote from somebody that I, I need to look up and, and find. Um, but it says that there's three deaths the first is when our spirit leaves our body. The second is when we, our body is committed to the, the grave, interred in the ground. And the third death is when sometime in the future, our name is spoken for the very last time on earth. And how everyone deserves to be remembered. And he's talking in family history terms that, that we need to, to speak of our ancestors over and over again, keep their, their memories and their names alive. And... Um, I find that that seems to be one of the, I don't know, not one of the, but it, some, something to do with divine law, uh, keeping memories alive and, and eulogizing uh, the deceased is, is, brings some sort of power from, from the other side and active in our lives. When we eulogize or when we uh, read obituaries, etc., that those really do have a connective power uh, through the, the spirit and ministry of Elijah, etc. cetera. Uh, anyway, I found that very interesting that Abraham is the one eulogizing Sarah, and then God is the one eulogizing Abraham, um, uh, kind of pointing towards our, our temple ceremony as well. But yes, so with the burial at Machpelah, why, why do you think Abraham, like what's to be learned from this uh, episode, this story, where Abraham owns the, the whole land, I mean, God's given him the whole land, yet he turns around and purchases this burial site for, for Sarah and then is later buried there. Why does he do that? Why? Because it says in there somewhere that, that the owner would have gladly gave given it to Abraham, yet Abraham is actually paying money for that land. What, what kind of insights and things can we, can we learn from them? I think, you know, Cameron, I've got... Yeah. Sorry, just a second. I'm trying to, as we... Elaine, you have to mute your phone if you're dialed in on your computer and your phone 
you have to mute the phone before you are, um, you have to silence the phone before you can talk through your computer. You're getting feedback. Let's see. I'm trying to figure out if I can do it on my end for you. I'm not seeing the, the button there though. No, the problem, Cameron, is that she's getting audio out of her cell phone and it's being picked up by her computer. And mm -hmm. that's how it's being amplified. I don't think, I think her microphone on her computer's not working. So she was gonna, or the speaker on her computer wasn't working. So she was trying to use the phone, but because she awesome. has the two things when she goes to talk, it will amplify that unless she keeps the sound from one from going into the other. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't see that uh, she had another connection down here. Um, but yeah, let me see, will it allow you to unmute on your phone? Yeah, sorry, I'm not seeing a, an easy way to, to fix that, Elaine. <laughs> sorry, I'm not super tech savvy on, on that part. I Can you hear me any better now? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, I I can hardly hear you. I, I So I will give my comment and then I will go ahead and go back to my phone because it, it's the only way I can hear you tonight. Um, right. What I really think that Abraham was doing when he paid for the land was he he was showing all of us showing the people then and all of us that the money doesn't mean anything to him you know um sarah was worth more than anything to him the money meant nothing and even though the land really was his had been given to him by god by man's laws at that time, it really was owned by someone else. And so he was also following man's law. Anyway, that's just my thought. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think that that's very uh, telling to Abraham's character, etc. cetera, as, um, uh, as he's obeying divine law as well as man's law. I, I love that, that connection that you point out there. All right. Um, so even though we're, we're saying goodbye to Sarah, uh, we still have Abraham and he has a, a huge mission uh, still ahead of him um, that he, he goes on to marry Keturah and, and a fourth wife has many more children and, and even a daughter. I found that that tidbit was new and insightful to me. I had heard he had other children, but uh, I had never heard of, of this daughter. On page 228, it talks about um, that Abraham loved her dearly and taught her all that he had learned, and she was the center of Abraham's household. Later, after his passing, she is said to have carried his teaching far and wide. And that, that's just so uh, touching to me that, um, uh, of course she did, you know, as she's taught by this, this master patriarch that, that is so loving and benevolent that um, it, it's kind of like a, a little mini Sarah to, to carry on her uh, her memory and stuff that that she um, is is carrying his words far and wide in order to to bring others to um, to to Christ just like her father uh, was doing so kind of being an an amplifying um, uh, what well, amplifying Abraham's message and and carrying it to more people I think that that um, is just a little story. A thought, a thought that came to me about her spreading the teachings far wide is we're told so many records are hidden that will come forth in the last days. And I was wondering, that lady, that daughter who taught far and wide must have had recorded instances of her doing it by other people. And maybe in the future, we'll able to see who she was and learn more about her uh -huh. her mini sarah <laughs> yeah yeah for sure I, I think that that's very true 
Um, Cheryl sent me a, a, a link uh, earlier today. I haven't had a chance to, to, to really ponder on it and review all of the, the source material, but uh, talking about how, um, oh, what is the name on it? Just a second, let me, let me pull it up just before I misquote it all. But anyway, um, that Abraham is actually kind of the father of the Buddhist religion as well, uh, not just the uh, Christian, uh, Judaism, and Islamic, but also of the Buddhists that... And Hindu. I forgot that word, Hindu. Uh, yeah, and the Hindu. And so if that's really the case, then... Um, <clears throat> then as it says in, in the book that, that 95 or 98% or whatever of all of the, the children of the earth can really trace their, their stuff back to Abraham, that really makes sense because I had always just kind of discounted some of those, those Asian religions in it because um, they, they just seem to have uh, separated at a different time uh, from that of Abraham's posterity, etc. But um, if he really is the father of that, uh, the daughter could very well be a good link as she was spreading that message of Abraham uh, far and wide. It's possible, but um, uh, that, that video by Glenn Kimball or the interview that Glenn Kimball did on that was, was very insightful. I need to listen to it again and look up all those sources that, that they're talking about there. Um. I love the list on, on page 229 of all of the, the records, that kind of a, a summary of a bibliography of, of Abraham here. We have uh, a tractate on idolatry that uh, it's reported that contains about 400 chapters worth. Can you imagine reading a 400 chapter long tractate by a patriarch who was engulfed in the idolatries of his fathers and had to overcome those iniquities that, that his uh, his previous unrighteous patriarchs passed down to, to him like man that that must have been a uh, quite the quite the writing uh, to to undertake and, and really try to protect his posterity from going down those same routes as um as he's seen the future and, and seen all of the idolatry that will pop up and, and he's experienced the idolatry of his forefathers and just trying to, to help those, those Israelites and his posterity overcome those tendencies. Um, the, there's the book of Jasher, Psalm 89, the, the Sefer Yetzirah. The Psalm. There's the Psalms. There's the Psalm. <laughs> I'm confused. I didn't even catch it this time. <laughs> yep. Psalm 89. There it goes. <laughs> you knew or, you <laughs> or at least part of it it said uh-huh yep yeah and um and back to those 400 chapters now if you had 400 chapters that are some of the short ones like you get in the new testament yeah. you know it's still 400 chapters but that's not bad but if you get 400 chapters like jacob five <laughs> <laughs> that would be a lot you know just saying <laughs> <laughs> yep, there's a, a whole chapter in a treatise on on how to escape being sacrificed on an altar. Verse one. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> it, it, that's probably, you know, a good 25 chapters there, you know. <laughs> yep. And don't worry, Enoch will come. It'll be all fine. <laughs> yeah. And then we we go on to some more of the the learning of Abraham, his books on astronomy. We have the, the revelation of Abraham, the Genesis Apocryphon, Apocalypse of Abraham, and then our short little book of Abraham that we have. Uh, we don't even have it in its full context. Uh, anyway, it's quite the, the extensive writings and, and equally so Sarah wrote and uh, it, it's just amazing the amount of information that we will receive in the restoration of uh, the fullness and and all that that entails. <laughs> and here we, we treat lightly the, the Book of Mormon and, and don't study it uh, as often. We're, we're often under condemnation of that. I can't wait to receive all, all of these <laughs> records of, of Abraham. That's going to be fun. Weren't you just talking about how much you had to study this week? Now you're begging for more? No. 
exactly. There you go. <laughs> so, um, have you heard about the new scrolls, the new Dead Sea Scrolls that they found? Yes, mm -hmm. I have, but I haven't had time to, to dive into them yet. So, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, out of this 400 <laughs> chapters, maybe we're getting all these little fragments and particles of them, you know, that, yeah. that are coming through. I mean, if he wrote that much just on, um, on staying away from idolatry, I can only imagine what he would have written on everything else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it's one thing to, to keep away from sin, but it's another thing to actually approach God. And, and those things are, are lengthy and wordy and, and would require lots of uh, testimony and explanation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it's interesting how sometimes we as church members discredit or uh, kind of scoff off apocrypha or pseudepigrapha, you know, um, whereas those things are just really the Lord helping us receive more light and knowledge. You know, obviously things have been passed down and they're, they're not going through the, the actual translation process or uh, the proofreading, the, the godly proofreading that, that we have with like the Book of Mormon. Yet, I mean, look at the, the expanse of all of the, the writings that we're getting, Dead Sea Scrolls, the, the Qumran Scrolls, that all of these different records and collections. And a lot of times we say, oh, yeah, we're so excited for, for all of the, the new writings that are going to be coming out in the Restoration, yet we, we scoff at, at some of these other things like, oh, I've heard lots of people say, ah, Dead Sea Scrolls, that, you know, you just have to kind of ignore those or, or take them with a grain of salt kind of thing. But Joseph Smith had even prophesied and, and told us that you can read the, the Apocrypha, you just have to have the Spirit with you so that you can then translate it and, and bring it into your life how God intended it kind of a thing. May I make a comment? Yeah. Um, when you realize how we got our Bible, which is 66 books, and it was, you had a Constantine and you had political correctness and you had enemies and so if the enemies came from the Alexandria e Egypt and that library and they discounted that because they didn't like that person and where you have in the book of James where it says we yes. haven't even begun to write a hundredth part of what Jesus said yeah. so uh, for people to be all oh, apocry apocrypha or think our new discoveries are nah, they had no understanding how we even got certain things. And one more thought is we as a church in the early church history, Book of Mormon was not read until you had some people. Well, for example, President Benson, because we were lacking and we're still under condemnation because we take it so lightly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. <clears throat> um, and then it uh, then goes into to page 230, where Isaac uh, is ordained to the patriarchal order, and, and he's um, set up to, to kind of take the reins. Uh, that must have been a, an amazing uh, kind of transition. I you know how we have our, our prophetic uh, transmissions of power and uh, the apostolic interregnum, etc. But um, to, in the patriarchal order, it, it works very uh, differently, where uh, father to son, etc., that birthright uh, kind of lineage there with the patriarchs, and uh, having the, the previous one alive to... Uh, to make sure that it, it transmits properly, etc. Uh, there it says that Abraham further transmitted all priesthood authority necessary for his descendant to establish Zion. And uh, I don't know, sometimes I, I kind of not forget, but I don't really associate Isaac with being a great Zion builder, but but he is. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, those are the, the main patriarchs that, that established that Zion principle. And I put a thought with what you just said, Cameron, yeah. about Isaiah. Of course, we have this book on Abraham. A lot has been written, and we know a lot about Jacob with 12 sons. I know about the marriage of Isaac, and that's all I know. And I thought, 
I bet there's some more records around to give Isaac full quality and his character and nobility that we haven't realized, just like on Abraham. We never realized what a great and noble person he is. And now he got to discover someday, Isaac, period. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It'll be fun to, to really get to know Isaac and, and receive some of those writings as well. That'll, <laughs> it's another thing to add to the list <laughs> to, to read and stuff as it unfolds. Uh, you know, he has to be, he has to be a tremendous spiritual giant because otherwise, I mean, look at, look at what he did. He was Abraham's test, right? You know, this Isaac is not chump change. He's not somebody to be forgotten in the middle, right? So mm -hmm. we, we just don't have the information. So Ooh, who knows? Yes. Maybe one of those. Maybe one of those scrolls they'll find will be <laughs> scroll of Isaac. Yeah, and, and you know, like he—he's a type. He actually represented the Savior on the altar, kind of thing. That—that's—it's not everyone. That—that's a pretty hefty responsibility, and um, it, just waiting and longing for his words and, and his example it'll be fun he must have had a lot of mysteries in there or else we probably would have had it along with the others maybe i, I just think we have the tendency to skip over him you know in the rush from abraham isaac and jacob you know to get to jacob because you know there's israel and 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 all of that kind of stuff and, and i i just think that sometimes we just rush right past him so it'll be nice to someday find out more about all of his stuff right um right right yeah i agree i agree cheryl i think that that's going to be a good thing mm -hmm. yeah even you know we always think of uh, this is all we've known is like isaac and rebecca were married and everything but i was reading in the doctrine and covenants one section 132 i think it's in verse 37 if it's not that it's really close there but in if you read that carefully you see that isaac had other wives as well he, more than just rebecca and so we don't we don't get that out of the bible we don't see that yeah <clears throat> all right and then we kind of transition into this great family reunion uh, that that they have. Wouldn't you love to have a family reunion like this where the patriarch goes and, and gives instructions and blessings, etc., uh, instead of water skiing and <laughs> playing games endlessly? <laughs> I mean, those things are fun. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but uh, these kind of uh, family reunions are, would be amazing to, to be a part of or, or witness um, uh, how Abraham, this great patriarch, gathers together all of his posterity, not just uh, not just his covenant child, uh, but all of them that that they are all coming and, and receiving blessings from him and from his hand. It's just kind of patterned after the patriarchal order. Uh, that's what patriarchs do. Uh, I find I, that very insightful. I thought it was interesting. You know, he talks about Ishmael coming back, right? Mm -hmm. You know. So much of what we are taught and what we see and what's in the Bible, because you know the Bible is the story of Isaac's side, right? Um, you know, Ishmael gets sent off with his mom. Okay, we're not going to hear about them anymore. But the fact that you know he comes back, the family must still know each other. You know, they still do stuff together. I mean, that it, it seems more like a real family and less like a, wow, that's so mean to send somebody away, right? You mm -hmm. know, and uh, we don't do a very good job of, of teaching that to our kids. <laughs> you know, they don't, they're like, well, I don't want to be the kid who gets sent away and you never hear from them again kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. How, how beloved Ishmael was to Abraham and mm -hmm. he received many uh, of the, the blessings, even the priesthood and, and temple ordinances, etc. Yeah. Yeah. He just didn't have the birthright, you know, yeah. the birthright only went to one, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, um, you know, 
And then we have this, this great visitor that comes. I, I find that this is very intriguing, uh, this principle that he gets one final wish before he dies. Um, do we see any other patriarchs or prophets that, that get a, a final wish, a final visitation from an angel kind of thing? Um, but, but Abraham definitely does here. And, and who is it? Uh, is it Enoch? Is it Melchizedek? What, what does the, the text kind of lead us to, to believe here? What page are you referring to? Uh -huh. So it's like the very bottom paragraph of 231 and then on to the next page of 232. Thank you. Yeah. On 232, it says the angel was one of the three who decades earlier had visited Abraham to announce the birth of Isaac. Um, so, I mean, that kind of points towards Melchizedek. Yet some of the stuff kind of points towards Enoch, uh, Metatron, or, or the angel of the presence. Either way, I mean, it's not important to mm -hmm. know all of the, the particulars, but but isn't this such an amazing story that, that he gets a final wish, and what does Abraham wish for, you know? I mean, this is kind of like a genie in a bottle, you get three wishes kind of thing, but, but he now wishes to see uh, everyone who's inhabited the world and he wants to assess what remains to be done. Okay, now I've done missionary work. I've done all this. What's left to do? Like, what's my next thing? What's my posterity's mission? What's my mission? Like, he, he never stops wanting to, to work. Uh, even in the afterlife, in, in the spirit world, he's, he's working. He's, he's doing things. Uh, just an amazing example here. I find that this is, is very telling to, to his character, even more so than, than even his tests and trials. That, I mean, he could easily just retire and, and pass away and go the way of the earth, but, but yet he's, even in death, he's, he's still looking forward. He's keeping going. So he had a great tour in a cherubim, chariot. Yeah. <laughs> and but refers to what he saw very much what Enoch saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that that Enoch gets that same vision, and um, as the the eye of the world, there it says on uh, footnote ninety five. Um, having that, that kind of bird's eye view, being able to see the inhabitants of the world and uh, see that cosmic vision. I think, that's I, I think that this is what Nephi saw as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, Nephi saw, saw the same thing, which must have been incredible for him to realize that he got to see what Abraham had seen. And, you know, anybody who's down the line who has experienced that of, wow, you know, I'm in great company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. and so it's kind of interesting like how many times abraham's actually seen this vision or is it in different parts like part one part two or or kind of a overview and then you kind of dive in and get more specific parts or who knows like we have many different ascensions that, that abraham uh, sees these visions but um but yet even uh, his last wish is to to see a vision to, to get his his mission and everything with what Nancy was referring to, um, like she said, Nephi had seen the same vision. That is a pattern of those who receive their calling and election made sure they're always shown the creation of the world and everything of the world. And so when we think of first Nephi, Nephi had his calling and election sure, sure because that was part of the pattern always is mm -hmm. yeah and is that a pattern for for us as we're aiming for uh, higher blessings you know it's not everybody's uh, mission to to be translated etc but uh, we are uh, able to to receive callings and elections in in this life or or even after this life and and this cosmic vision panoramic vision whatever you want to call it is is definitely part of that to be able to, to see the end from the beginning, to see everything in its context. And, um, you know, just as soon as you're ready to come to, to the Lord, he's ready to come and reveal the, the mysteries of everything uh, to you. 
mysteries of godliness is one term they use all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and then we have the, <laughs> the saddest part of all. I, I, if you listen to the audio that I did of this, it took me like how many takes? I don't know. I was doing like 10 different takes. I kept bawling all the way through it. Uh, him and, and Jacob's experience here is just so tender and moving to me. I don't know. It gets me every time. I, I put off recording it as long as I possibly could. I only got it like a couple days ago. Um, but here we have this sweet little Jacob and, and he's receiving his, his blessing from Abraham. And just kind of, we talked about visualization in our, our last group and, and stuff. And I felt that that was very um, poignant as we, we kind of, I, I just want to read part of this um, at the very bottom of 232 when he's uh, pronouncing these blessings upon Jacob and, and just kind of picturing yourself as if you were, were little Jacob in his arms and, and snuggling into his bosom and, and receiving these blessings from this great and mighty man that, that's pointing him to Christ says that Abraham then pronounced his final blessing, invoking the blessings of heaven upon Jacob and his seed forever, and urging Jacob to keep the commandments of your father Abraham. Young Jacob was tired, and the two lay together on one bed, and Jacob slept in the bosom of Abraham, who kissed him seven times, and his heart rejoiced over him. And while Jacob yet slept, Abraham blessed him with all his heart, asking, that the Lord, that thy grace and thy mercy may be upon him and upon his seed. And may thine eyes be opened upon him and upon his seed, that thou mayest preserve him and bless him and sanctify him as a nation for thine inheritance. And bless him with all thy blessings and renew thy covenant and thy grace with him and with his seed unto all the generations of the earth. Like, man with President Nelson issuing our challenge to, to let God prevail, to really study the Abrahamic covenants and those blessings and, and everything, I, I find that is one of the most touching and uh, great summaries of the Abrahamic covenant uh, there when Abraham is blessing Jacob. And, uh, you know, Jacob's even sleeping at, at this point. He's tired. Uh, he, he's been through a long day and uh, Abraham's just pouring out his whole heart and placing it upon uh, Jacob here. Very, very touching, very moving. I, I love that. Um, then we have when uh, Jacob awakes and gathers the rest of the family to, uh, to tell him that, that he has passed. And anyway, it's just, I don't know. I, I you know, we, we all know every funeral, everybody's going to live again. It's a happy ever ending, whatever, but it, it's still sad to just kind of put this, this patriarch, this great man to, to rest here. Um, I'm ready. Yeah. From that, it really um, cements that Jacob is to be, I mean, he is the one for the birthright you know, how the story of Esau and, and Jacob and Rebecca, and they seem to, you know, trick um, Isaac and everything. But here, Abraham is given that blessing to Jacob. He's not given it to Esau. So uh, we know that Rebecca was right in what she did there. She knew that as well. Yeah. He's following the Lord's counsel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's great to point out. Thank you. And then on 234, it talks about God's eulogy that uh, just at the very top of the page, his greatest eulogy was pronounced sometime later by God himself, who, when he appeared to Isaac, renewed his promises once made to Abraham, thereby making Isaac and his posterity instruments to bless the world. Because, as God declared, Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Anyway, just how amazing that would have been for Isaac as he is following in his father's footsteps, receiving the same grand visions and blessings, etc., that his father had. And... Um, having God himself pronounce this, this eulogy 
uh, of Abraham and what a great man he was. And uh, anyway, just very touching. I, I love all of that. <clears throat> and then we, we kind of close up with uh, the, the resurrection and, and that we know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob live on that um, just at the very last paragraph of, of this whole thing that um, they've entered into their exaltation according to the promises where they sit upon thrones and are not angels, but are gods. As we transition into Isaiah, um, we'll, we'll see what that exactly means. Uh, it's, there's more than, than meets the eye. Sometimes we just read over it and, um, oh, that's good. They're, they're gods now. But um, on, on the, the ladder of Isaiah, that, so it's saying that, that they were seraphim. They were uh, at this certain level, and now they've, they've moved on and, and are gods. Um, as we, we go through the, the fun writings of, of Isaiah next, that it, it just means so much more. Uh, I do want to come back sometime to Abraham after we do Isaiah and just kind of do a little recap, like, all right, do we understand Abraham a little bit better? And having done Abraham, do we understand Isaiah a little better? Uh, and, and back and forth, they're, they're, they very much go hand in hand with, with some of their principles because um, just like Abraham and his tests and trials, uh, Isaiah is always talking about the process of, of humiliation, descending below all things in order to rise and, and exalt. Um, that there's always tests and trials, and Abraham is the great exemplar of um, submitting to all tests and trials that the Lord sees fit that, that we uh, need for our exaltation. I find that very, very interesting. <clears throat> we see, as I was teaching here locally uh, with Ezra and Daniel, they're very much companion prophets. Uh, I find that Abraham and, and Isaiah seem to be uh, companion prophets as well. Not in everything, because uh, Abraham and, and Joseph are, are almost better companion prophets than, than Isaiah, but Isaiah is definitely in that mix of uh, teaching and, and expounding upon the things. Um, anything else in, in chapter 11 that you'd like to, to talk about that we skipped over? Uh, any other insights that you had while studying this? Um, so chapter 12 is, is kind of a, a quick summary. I, with, uh, the, the session with E. Douglas Clark, uh, it kind of got bumped. I was hoping to have conference off so that we could just, um, either have a break or we could all get together and discuss conference after it happens. But, um, anyway, I just, what, what are your thoughts? What do you want to do? Um, in our last group, they they wanted to to talk after conference and, and kind of do a recap and any fun insights that we've learned and, and gained out of it. Uh, but I'm just going to kind of take it class by class. I don't I don't know if you all want to do that or, or not. Uh, if we do, it would be fun to kind of uh, put all of the groups together again uh, for a conference discussion. But if not, that's fine too. I, what what are your thoughts? Oh, I'd love to discuss conference after conference is over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking, oh, next Sunday is conference. Oh, if we do chapter 12, then we can't sit and talk about conference. And then you just brought it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think chapter 12 is just going to be kind of a, you can, can read it on your own. It's a kind of a summary of, of some of these principles, et cetera, but I don't know if we'll really talk about it as a group and, and things. We, I mean, we can bring it up in, in Isaiah um, and stuff, but uh, that's definitely kind of the, the homework assignment is to read chapter 12 and, and internalize it for yourself. But I, I don't know, it'd be fun to do conference next week and just kind of talk about that. Well, you know, there is always something fun that they come out with at conference or something, you know, like last conference, the number of references to Zion and Enoch just blew me away. Yeah. And, you know, that's the kind of thing you want to just, you want to talk about and share your notes and things. So, yeah. Nancy, going along with what you just said, talking about the second coming and Enoch right there. Chapter 12 talks about 
uh, Abraham's legacy and the Latter-day Zion. And we might hear talks and have read chapter 12 and you see a tie-in. So a reference could be made to the book plus what the talk was. And it might just fit very well as a glo club. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, as we read chapter 12, we kind of pull it in the conference and, and things. It's going to be so fun. I'm so excited for conference. I, I love the these videos. Uh, you know, talking to this group where, I mean, we're open to stretching and learning and growing and stuff. But um, one of the insights that, that I had from this uh, Easter video that President Nelson put out, you know, and this is my own study and thoughts. I don't know. It might not be. But um, it seems like very much um, when he's talking about his plane ride and the plane goes uh, down, et cetera, kind of thing it seems like this is an apocalyptic vision that, that he's receiving at that time. And, and he's telling us about it that, because um, he, he adds in this little tidbit with kind of a twinkle in his eye that he's like, and I still arrived on time, kind of a thing. It's kind of the, the parable of the 10 virgins. Like, I, I, I still got it, you know? Like, um, if you watched in his other video on that same plane story, how, how the woman next to him was just frantic and, and, and couldn't deal with things. Um, but he was ready to meet his maker and meet his maker. He did. Like, I think that um, as Abraham was lifted up, taken up to heaven, uh, sometimes we ascend on high mountains. Sometimes we're taken up in a plane and, and we have near death experiences. We know that many near death experiences result in visions, etc. Uh, it seems like he's he's kind of letting us in on on some of his insights um, as as a prophet, as a seer, as as a revelator. I don't know. I'm gonna, have, I gotta go back and watch it again now. <laughs> <laughs> That's my own thoughts. Who knows? Whatever. But um, yeah. well, you know that whole plane ride story. If you think about it right now, that can be an analogy to the world right yeah. now we have an engine on fire and the world is in a tailspin and how do there are some people who are ready to meet their maker and they're calm and they're at peace and they're not worried about things and then there are others who are screaming their heads off they're full of fear they're full of everything and and i i that is so much an analogy for right now yeah yeah, I think so too. Um, and then as you go through and compare this one to the, the Thanksgiving video and the stories that he tells in both examples um, seem kind of not totally disjointed. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not trying to use that word wrong, but um, the stories seem to be kind of apart from what the, the message of the video is. They tie in, but uh, kind of loosely. But I think that that's on purpose so that we kind of can see how the messages really do tie in as we're looking at them. And so uh, what we were doing today was, was looking at the two videos side by side and kind of looking back and forth. And there seems to be some, some patterns there, especially chiastically as you, you look and, and compare. I wouldn't be surprised if there's three more videos because these seem to be two of five that are in uh, a pattern from, from one of his talks. I don't know, that, that's my own ideas and wishful thinking. <laughs> Which talk? <coughs> oh, great. Now you're going to call me on it. Um, well, one it is where he says we won't be able to survive spiritually uh, kind of thing. And uh, without, to bless, guide, protect, strengthen, and heal others. The, the gratitude was the healing video. And, and this one was, was very much the protection video. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's three more that, that go along with that list of five. Bless, guide, protect, strengthen, and heal. I, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> if it doesn't come to happen, then just rule me off and this is an apostate. <laughs> just kidding. Scott thinks that was in 2019. Yeah, it was 2019, but I can't remember the talk's name. It was, seems like it was pre-session, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I, I, I just remember that when it came out, it was so powerful that that was my ponderizing scripture. I was like, I have to memorize this. We won't be able to survive spiritually. Do, 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 do. Oh, I've quoted that so many times to people. That's kind of crazy. And 
I would remember. Was it spiritual treasures? No. I, I don't know. Maybe? Well, no, I know I gotta look it up just a second. <laughs> Bless guide protect strengthen. Bless guide protect strengthen heal others. What was the video from November? Uh huh. So the the video from November was his like gratitude challenge, like the give thanks hashtag thing, um, okay. and then this one the. Uh, Peace and hope. Price of peace, the price of peace, priesthood power. It's April. Uh, yeah. It's price April of, of 2016. Oh, oh, yes. I'm given totally the wrong reference. So there's part of the quote from Ministering with the Power and Authority of God from April 2018. And then there's that other one. Yes, that's where I'm getting my list of five is from 2016. That's what it is. Well, they're both. Yeah. That one in 2016, that was a groundbreaking one. And that was when he was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve. Mm -hmm. And oh, then that that's one when he, he laid down the gauntlet for the brethren. And then in Spiritual Treasures, he did it for the, the sisters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And my favorite one, Ministering with the Power and Authority of God. Like when he has all of the brethren stand up by rank and file, I was just like, oh my gosh, that was, that was one of the most boom. I, I don't know. I've ever felt the spirit as strong as I did in that moment. That was, that was crazy. It was electric. And that uh, was April of 2018. Uh -huh, yeah. April, 2018 ministering with the power and authority of God. Uh -huh. I mean, that was a talk written on the other side of the veil for us. I mean, crazy. I, I love that one, but the the 2016 one is the one that I'm I'm quoting. The the blessed guide protects, strength, and heal. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, don't you love technology when you can look stuff up real quick? <laughs> you can just, you know, I can't find it if I try to use the church's website, but Google I, comes up with it. I can put it into Google, and Google will have it every time. I mean, like I hate Google, but you know, it has its benefits because like it's a lot better search engine than the church's. But yeah, um, oh, sorry, I, I just barely popped up chat. I haven't been keeping up with that, sorry. Um, L says, no, I did not. So L, when you're saying that you didn't, is that referring to the, the chapters from the author? Uh, I'm guessing so. Uh, if, if, if so, I, I'll get you in touch there. I did get mine, I checked, okay. yeah. I just get so many emails in there, I got missed. Yeah, for sure. Can I, can I sign up for that email too? Uh -huh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll get you on there. Um, and then L votes for conference. Teresa says that she mixed up the chapter, but she'll be <laughs> listening. Clean. Yeah, you're more than welcome. <laughs> I, I totally get it. Uh, one week on, on this group, it was the, the early Sunday group, but I had read the wrong chapter and I was like, oh my gosh, how do I moderate this? Cause I totally messed up. Anyway, <laughs> sometimes I, I need to just listen and glean as well. <laughs> um, and then uh, my dad says, am I gonna record chapter 12? And yes, I, I will record that this week. Hopefully, maybe not this week, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna try, yes. <laughs> but I will record it at some point if, if not this week. Uh, but it, it's pretty short. I should be able to knock it out tomorrow. I vote that we get together to listen, to talk about conference too. Yeah, yeah, okay. Do you wanna just do it during this time or would you like to get together with all the other groups on, on Sunday? I think everyone would be good. Uh-huh. Um, the other group, there are some from different time zones. And so um, they would really appreciate if we would do it at 6 p.m. at Mountain Daylight Time. Does that work for everyone or is that just way too early? I don't know, people schedule. Yeah. Cameron, you know, um, if you get a, too big a group, you might not be able to get all the comments in that you would if you break it up. I don't know. Maybe mm -hmm. you could put the two Sunday ones together. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And, and then, then keep the, the Tuesday, Tuesday group is quite big. And so the Tuesday yeah. group, I'm just going to keep yeah. it there and, and combine the two Sunday groups, maybe. Because I'd like to hear what everybody's thoughts are, you know, yeah. and 
and if you get too big a group, then you just have a, just hear a few ideas and it'd be nice to hear them all. But yeah. you could you could tune in on the Tuesday group and 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 be a part of that as well, you know. And I can like record them like we do now and and just share that link amongst uh, the group members. So if you mm -hmm. didn't make the Sunday one, you could watch it on Tuesday and then watch the recorded Sunday one or something like that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, so let's plan next Sunday doing it at 6 p.m. Uh, Mountain Daylight Time. Um, and and I will record it and we can share that, that link kind of thing. But we'll have two different discussions, one on Sunday at 6 and Tuesday at 9. Uh, for general conference. And if you want to bring in anything about chapter 12, uh, you're more than welcome to do that. And then the next week is, is Isaiah Decoded. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, Isaiah Decoded is open for, for anyone. If you want to email me people's uh, email addresses, I can get them uh, signed up on, on the list. We have about 20 more people, uh, 20 to 30, that are, are going to be kind of somewhat joining us. I, I don't know when we signed up for Abraham, we had like a huge list of people and then it really whittled down very quickly. Like some people just didn't have time, et cetera. Um, but we'll, we'll see with the this new group of 20 to 30 if it whittles down or not. But you might see some new faces, but we're keeping these these exact same times and um, diving into to chapter one of Isaiah decoded uh, the, the week after uh, conference. That'll be fun. So, um, I mean, we'll talk about the homework assignment. Isaiah Decoded is quite fast paced because the chapters are a little bit longer and extensive. And then when we get to the actual words of Isaiah, that's when the homework kind of ramps up. You, get, you have to kind of to read a lot uh, during the week. But um, anyway, I think it'll be fun. I, I, even as fast paced as we're going, I think it's a great overview of everything. And if we need to go back through it again at a, at a much slower speed, we can do that. But I think that uh, a chapter a week uh, for Isaiah Decoded is gonna be a, a fun, good overview. And especially just right fresh from conference, we're gonna be able to, to tie in lots of fun things. Um, any questions, comments before we head out for the night? Isaiah Decoded is available on Audible. If you have Audible and you want to you want to listen to it um, as well as read it, it is uh, available. You'll have to buy it with a credit or whatever, but mm -hmm. it's pretty good. Yeah. All of mine, not saying that this is, I'm kind of a paranoid weird person, but um, I, I like to have actual downloads um, instead of using Audible apps and stuff. They do have the MP3 available on isaiahinstitute.com if you want it. Um, if things go into shutdown mode and some of our online services get uh, stopped or, or whatever, I like to have actual uh, files that I can access, but. Uh, That's why I own the book. Yeah, that's yeah, where yeah, I buy yeah. the book. <laughs> I can listen to it, but I've got the book. Yeah, exactly. Because Audible is just so handy to, to read the or listen to the books on and stuff. Mm -hmm. for sure. But yeah, excited. I, I'm excited for conference. And anyway, uh, wish you all the best this week as, as you prepare and head into conference. Don't anybody get translated without letting me know. <laughs> oh, um, have you guys all seen the new conference thing on the app? The new Easter thing on the app. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, I was... If you haven't seen it, it's got something to do every day until Easter, which is next Sunday. Mm -hmm. What app? On the Gospel Library app from the church. So oh. if you go to the Gospel Library and go to the home screen, mm -hmm. um, you click on Jesus Christ. And then click on Easter hashtag starting today. Mm -hmm. It came out on Thursday. And so it had something to read and maybe listen to or watch every day. And what I think is interesting is if you looked at today's and today's, it talked about um, President Nelson, President Russell M. Nelson will share a special video message today about the Savior. This is how they announced it. They didn't announce it on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. This is where they announced it. And then you can, you know, view President Nelson's Facebook page and that's how you get to see the video, but it is on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But 
I, I just thought that was interesting that he, uh, that's how they announced it and everything. They didn't send an email out to everybody. They didn't announce it on any of the social media platforms that, hey, this is coming. They, um, on the church's YouTube feed last night, it was on saying it will premiere in seven hours, six hours, you know, that kind of thing. But it was in this app. And I think that was it. Yeah. So Very. interesting. You know, that gives you something else to ponder. Why? Why didn't they send the members a, a link and an email? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, if you look at the Gospel Library app, they're always putting new things on there and uh, just all the time. It, it's almost a, a daily tour. I have to go in there look at all the new little things and stuff to see if there's any updates to the handbook, any of this, any of that, like, oh, there's a new section on translation in the handbook or something. <laughs> They're going to sneak it in there. And the next thing you know, four hours has gone by and you go, where's yeah. my afternoon gone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's fun. It's interesting how much we transition over to apps, you know, with like the gospel living app or whatever that one is, the little leaf thing for youth. Um, how we can communicate with our wards and, and things with that. I think we'll start using that a lot more, but I don't know. It, it, it is very interesting. But yeah, that Easter um, initiative that um, was it hashtag uh, all of a sudden I lost it. Anyway, but yeah, uh, good things to do every day to, to lead up to, to conferences. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. All right. Sounds good. We will see everybody uh, later. Well, <laughs> have a Next great week. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.